Hope your Thanksgiving was absolutely fantastic. I got to call an instant classic in Starkville, Mississippi. Mississippi State beats Ole Miss due to what Matt Hasselbeck just phrased in a text message, the piss and miss game. Elijah Moore, wide receiver for Ole Miss, scores a touchdown with less than 10 seconds left on the clock to potentially tie it up in the Egg Bowl and send it to overtime. His celebration is a dog pissing on the field. Obviously, he gets an unsportsmanlike 15-yard penalty. Coach Moorhead of Mississippi State, Pittsburgh guy, tacks it onto the extra point, becomes a 35-yarder. Kid misses the extra point. Four seconds left, takes its helmet off. Going to remember this night for the rest of his life. Very sad scene. Elijah Moore can't piss on the field. Everybody knows you can't pee on the field, but it was an electric one. Football games yesterday. Okay, Buffalo Bills get a win down there in Jerry World. From what I've been told, the refs weren't great. Stunner. I was getting ready for the game, but I watched the highlights here this evening. Get ready for our live show today at ten to noon. Sale still happening. Shout out to the shout out to the Bears. You know, shout out to the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky finding a way to win in Detroit. Detroit, the Plow is one of the only quarterbacks in the entire league this year to throw two tutters and have over 150 yards in the first quarter. Him, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers. That's the plow for you. And the plow had had a lead at halftime, I believe. And then the power went out in the building. And the brothers Osborne couldn't even perform. A lot of people said that may be... Screwed the entire mojo of the city. All of a sudden, the Bears in the second half come back and win it. They tried their best. They tried their best to let Plow come back. They almost gave Plow too much time. Everybody knows you can't give Plow too much time. They almost did that. Instead, the Bears get a big win with a sack. Good for them. Good for the Bears. Bear. And the Saints beat the Falcons. Even though Young Ho Koo was just nailing onside kick after onside kick after onside kick. You miss a couple kicks in a game, complete a couple onside kicks. Sounds like the internet loves you. I assume Young Ho Koo will look back at the missed field goals and be upset about it. But, hey, a couple onside kicks hit perfectly. I love everything about that for the brand. Wasn't it great for the brand day yesterday, all in all, but I love that Young Ho Koo topped it off with a couple heaters there in the onside kick department. We got a good one for you today. This show is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, uh, the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. If you're going to buy tickets to a sporting event, a concert, comedy, maybe a musician, you need to go to SeatGeek. If it's a live event, you have to go to SeatGeek to buy your tickets because they scan all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. The best ticket available at the best price available is available for you, the best human on Earth, because you're shopping with SeatGeek. Right now, use promo code PAT. You get $10 off your first order wow that's crazy i know but wait till you hear this shit use promo code mcafee 20 dollars off your first order that's insane you're alive but are you living go live and experience something live perfect christmas gift or hanukkah gift or kwanzaa gift or whatever the fuck else you celebrate ladies and gentlemen good shit coming joining us now is a man who's been on the show before and has been electric a man who is a part of a defense that has been absolutely dominant. A two-time, two-time Super Bowl champion. Looks like he has a very fresh fade with a fresh beard, and I think I heard a baby. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Van <laughs> There we go. I like it, baby. Thanks hey. for letting me in. It's daddy daycare today. So I, got my, I got my son. We're hanging out. It's Tuesday, so it's the off day. We're vibing. What is the uh, your son's name? Trey Legend. <laughs> I love that name. That is one yeah. of my favorite names I've ever heard in my entire life. I might change. I want to name my kid uh, Midas or uh, Maximus or uh, Doctor or a lot of things. Doctor- yeah, you speak it into existence, Pat. You're on. You're on the right track. <laughs> Dr. Legend McAfee would be a hell of a name, Mr. Van Noy. Okay, let's talk about your Patriots team. You guys have been dominant on the defensive side of the ball and special teams. The offense is still finding their groove. What has been the message inside the locker room? Is it just win however we need to win? Or is the defense like, yo, we know that the offense hasn't found it yet. They will at some point. Let's just keep doing our thing. 
Yeah, I think you you said it right there. It's find a way to win. It doesn't matter. Um, in our organization, we believe that at the end of the day, stats don't really matter. All that matters is a W in that column. And that's what we strive for each and every week. Um, offense is getting better each and every week. The defense is holding strong. The special teams is holding strong. We know Tom Brady's the GOAT. We know he's going to get those guys going. Uh, we're just going to continue to keep doing our part. I mean, anytime you got have guys like Hightower, Jamie Collins, myself, and then our boy who's the best corner in the league, Stephon Gilmore, oh. uh, who's playing out of his mind, uh, we're, we're blessed to be in the position we're in, and we hope to continue that uh, path to greatness. He had more receptions than Amari Cooper this past weekend. It was the was the mindset. Now, granted, the Patriots had Revis in the past, too, where it was the same thing. Like, hey, we'll just let him take care of a guy. Is the mindset like Stephon Gilmore is going to eliminate their best guy? We just know that. <laughs> I don't know. Every, every week, I, I just put an X through that receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or I shouldn't say an X. I just put a lock around him now. <laughs> uh, Gilly Lockett, man, he's playing really well. And, you know, anytime you have a player like that who doesn't speak, it's insane. Um, but I feel like I get the I get the most out of him. He, he definitely talks a lot to me, so that's good. Um, but I, I'm happy he's on our team. He's playing really, really damn good football. I mean, dang good football. You can say damn. You just can't say the shoot. The, the shoot, <laughs> the right, shoot right. one. I, by the way, the FCC rules make zero sense to me. <laughs> it, it makes no sense to me. 2019, you can't say shh, oots. Uh, also, things that don't make sense to me is Matthew Slater. That guy somehow is around the ball at all times when it comes to special teams. What's he like in that locker room? Great leader, an even better person. To me, I think he deserves a golden jacket. Um, I call him. I call him Gold Jacket. He does. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think he's one of the best teammates, leaders there are in the NFL. I mean, his charisma and his willing to sacrifice for the greater good of the team each and every week um, is amazing. You should see his speeches. They're pretty epic. They're up there with yours. When's he um, do them? When's he do them? After the game in the locker room? Yeah, after the game. And he says um, some insightful, uh, well-received message after the game, each and every game. Doesn't matter if we win or lose. His perspective on life is unreal and unmatched. And I'm, I'm really glad I get to learn from him each and every day. He's an impressive human. Wow. So he's just as good off the field as he is on it because he changes the game in special teams. Yeah, he's be He's, I would say he's better off. I mean, the magnitude him and his wife do in the community, um, his relationship with the man upstairs and him uh, preaching Christianity is uh, amazing. I haven't, I haven't met anybody like him. Really good human. Pretty big season for him coming up, by the way. A birthday around the corner for the old Jesus. <laughs> uh, pretty big day. Uh, yeah. sp speaking of you guys now, it's post-Thanksgiving almost. Bill Belichick has said that his teams need to be humming post-Thanksgiving. What can you guys fix to become even better? He goes, well, football after Thanksgiving is real football. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best. That's my best deal, impression, But that, that sounds about right. <laughs> hey, he's been good on this NFL All-Time Team. I've only seen a couple clips with him. I haven't got a chance to watch the entire thing. He's hosting a show on NFL Network. Do you guys watch that? No, but he he raved about it. He he said that he did a lot of uh, research. A lot of you know. He said it was an amazing one of the most memorable uh, opportunities he's had in a while of being able to go back and look through players and talk nicely about players. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and uh, he, he really, he really said he enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm excited to look at it. I haven't had time to um, obviously, but you know, when I get the chance, I want I want to see if I make that list. Well, I think I think the thing, it's a lot of old heads picking the people, by the way. So I think there might be a little bit of a bias 
towards yeah. the generation. We talked to Tony Dungy in the first hour. He's a part of the panel that put it together. He talked about Bill Polian. I didn't hear any other names, but I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of old heads making decisions, as it should, by the way. They've earned the right to do that. But there could be a little bit of generational bias. We'll see how that works. Getting a chance, you get a chance to hear Belichick speak on a daily basis. For a lot of us, the only time we hear him speak is in that press conference. So getting a chance to watch the clips of him like breaking down things, you're like, damn, this guy really is everything that we've heard about him. Yeah, he's definitely a football savant. Uh, anytime he's teaching, you're definitely, I'm definitely listening and taking notes. I mean, hopefully I can get my Pop Warner team when I'm done playing ready to roll. Send <laughs> uh, them fundamental football. They're, they're, they're going to get right. And, you know, I'm going to be saying a lot of the things Bill says. And, you know, it, it sticks in your head, especially I think last on the last episode when uh, I was on with you, you're out in the middle of the game and you're, you're sitting out there like, damn. He just went over that two days ago, and it's happening in the game. And, you know, it's a blessing to play for him and learn from him. And I'm just excited to continue this uh, path to where we're going and where we want to be. Yeah, I could fathom that you guys feel that the train's starting to roll, especially with how dominant the defense has been. It's like in the Do Your Job segment where they talked about that two-point conversion where he talked about it like a month before, and he was like, hey, let's get some work on two-point conversions. We might need it at some point. Oh, to win the Super Bowl is when actually we need that. It's, yeah. It makes no <laughs> sense crazy. to me. It makes no sense. Have you ever met that Ernie Adams guy? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah, Ernie boy. Mr. RoboCop. He always got them big old glasses. <laughs> uh, looking fire boy he's, he's always looking fire on the sideline whenever you see him doesn't doesn't say much but man is he just full of knowledge yeah. i mean he knows every rule every situation and he teaches you know if you go up to him he'll he'll spit um you know to some people you know to the normal person it sounds like spanish if you don't speak spanish but if you're a football guy and your football iq's um, up there, he, he'll break it down to where it's football one on one, and he's a really good teacher. Uh, I'm I'm glad I get to chit chat with him uh, each and every day. He definitely has helped me out with a lot of situations. Okay, has Ernie Adams seen anything like Lamar Jackson last night? I don't know if you got a chance to watch. Yeah, last night he's, he's balling, bro. Balling, and you guys obviously had a little bit of a struggle with him. He's an anomaly right now that has been different than anything I think I've ever seen in the league. Yeah. Why is that? I think he's he's bringing a whole different swag to football. I mean, you you can see him. I I, I love I love his attitude. I mean, after a uh, yeah, the little dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from little things like. Uh, when I think they had a false start penalty, he threw the the ball in the dirt because he he's chasing he's chasing greatness, and I as a player I respect that because you know you want you want that on the other side. When I line up, I you know I, I want I want to beat you, and he's trying to do the same, and I love that intensity he brings. He's bringing a whole different feel to the NFL, and I, I'm happy for him. He's he's giving kids uh, a chance. Yeah, you know, I, I, think I, that, I think it's awesome. I think that conversation you had with Harbaugh on the sideline is something that's going to be accurate for a long time. You see, you know how many kids are going to wear the number eight and play quarterback because of you going forward? He's completely changed the game. Now, a human that has changed the game is obviously Bill Belichick. Now, you guys didn't have success with him against him the first time. I said, let's assume if any coach will be able to figure something out after playing somebody one time, going forward the next time they potentially run into him, it's going to be Bill Belichick. What is something that you have – you don't have to give away anything. I'm sure you guys – haven't even uh, yeah. talked about it yet but what is something that he exposes in a defense that nobody thinks about until it's game time is it how fast he is you can't tell how fast he is on film or what exactly is it well it's just it's just guarding an extra person he's an extra you know he's not only a good quarterback but he's an extra running back in the run game and it's hard to account for that because that's an extra person so you know when, when they're running that speed option with an extra puller and a, a fullback out, so you have to defend that. Plus, he can keep it or pitch it. It's it's a tough deal, and you got to be on your um, you got to be on your a game. And uh, you know, unfortunately, we weren't that night, and hopefully, we'll we'll be the next time if we see them down the road. But I'm going to say the Bill Belichick answer 
we're focused on the Texans. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're focused on the Texans. Your game against the Cowboys was the highest rated game since 2007 the NFL has had. I mean, what do you of- think about that? That's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, it's insane. I think that's what happens though when you have uh, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Cal Van Noy taking on America's team, Jerry Jones, which has been very hit or miss all year. I think that's why people were intrigued by it. Yeah, we're the nightmare now. <laughs> America's nightmare, baby. Hey, there was a couple uh, phantom tripping calls there that you guys will definitely take to the bank and not care about, but the NFL had to apologize for. Yeah, but there was also holding calls, too. So. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <hey>! <laughs> Okay, Deshaun Watson coming up, the Texans. Uh, the ball is out at the end of the game. You'll see that on film. Darius Leonard knocked the ball out. It was clearly sitting in his hands. The ref didn't overturn it. It was. Uh, you'll see it on film. I'm sure you've already seen yeah. it. Yeah, I've f- seen it. Yeah, yeah, the ball is out. I mean, the coach, <laughs> coach should have got the ball, probably would have walked down the field, scored a touchdown, game winner, no big deal, no big deal. Yeah. But what have you seen from the Texans, and what are you guys looking forward to do? I'm looking for the matchup bet- between Gilly Locke and D-Hop. That's going to be amazing. Um, I think, you know, our defense is versus Deshaun and a good task for our special teams and then our offensively going against their defense. Um, it's going to be a really good game Sunday night. I mean, hot damn, I love Sunday night, baby. Is there anything to that? I talked about how the Ravens, they seem like they enjoy those primetime games. There's some players that you've met them, you've seen them, that whenever the lights come on, everything kind of gets a little deer in the headlights. It feels like primetime is something that happens every week for the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's a blessing to be on TV for the family, that's for sure. Um, My family doesn't get to many games, so it's, it's a blessing that they're able to see all the way on the West Coast. So I'm always excited to play on primetime for them. Uh, to try to make a play for my mom and my dad. And, you know, honestly, for some players, I mean, I think, you know, when you're Tom, every game is, is, yeah. is prime time. And that's kind of how our team rolls. We kind of take that um, feel for from Tom Brady. Uh, every game's prime time. And we know everyone's watching. Everyone's uh, paying attention to what we're doing. So I don't think we'll have a different approach. But, you know, I, I love playing on Sunday night. Get Chris Collinsworth juiced up, you know, his little slide-in <laughs> intro. You know, we got to get it. Well, Chris Collinsworth and Bill Belichick are now co-hosts of a show together. It's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say. I bet you he's going to be saying, you know, when I was talking to Belichick yep. during the NFL All-Time team, he told me that it's going to become an entire it's going to be kind of an entire oh. cell. You guys are so fun to watch. Hey, quick question about life going forward here before yeah. I let you go and enjoy Let's your day. Will you let Trey Legend Van Noy play football? Ooh, if that's what he wants to do, man, I can't, I can't hold him back. Okay. I, I, I believe in that. If, if your kid wants to do something, I don't see why not. I have a quick question for you. Go on. How is exciting is it to get such good responses from the mass of the nation about your college football entry, bro. You're killing it. I got. I got to be. I got to say it. So I'm. I'm. I'm happy for you. You're doing a really good job on it. You're oh, killing it. That means a lot. And by the way, a lot of people have been saying a lot of very nice things. Boy, there's some people that say some very terrible things. To <laughs> I mean, there are some people who are not for the brand. I mean, no, for sure not. Just like they're not for Booger or for Joe Bug. Maybe they, there's some haters out there. You know, that, that's why. That's why they they are where they're at, and that's why you're where, where you're at. So you're you're doing good. Well, I appreciate that. I'm having a lot of fun. The thing about it is, everybody's scared to mess me up, right? So I don't I don't want to ever compare myself to Lamar Jackson as a human, but I am an anomaly <laughs> in this sports broadcasting world, right? So every, yeah, everywhere I go, all they ever say to me is WWE does this, ESPN's been doing this, the Zone and Westwood one of them. We just want you to be you. I'm like, okay, you said it. I mean, I'm gonna do it. So if I'm on top, hell yeah. If that's so t- tight. It is. That's tight. It is. It's, and at some point, I assume it's going to change. But at this point, it's like, hey, what the hell all can we do before I get yelled at here? That's kind of where I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking, I know. You know, it's kind of Just keep, keep jumping in lakes and rivers or whatever. <laughs> hey, yeah, there we go. Ah! So my lady and I were on some vitamins last night. And that video popped up again on her, I think, on her thing. And she said, did you even think that, like, 
that could have been a foot and a half deep. Like you couldn't <laughs> see through that. There could have been rocks or sticks or anything like that. I was like, you know what? Funny. I hadn't thought of that until right now. <laughs> there could have been a log underneath that thing just sticking right up. I could have been pierced right in the face. And I, I know. Not even a thought of that. And by the way, ignorance is bliss. I'm a very dumb individual. It's been helping me this whole time. Hey, keep keep on, baby. You're you're doing really well. And and by the way, did, did you did you get some love with another suit? I mean, was your tailor there around giving you another suit? How how did that work? No, I had to walk like a mile back to the studio. By the way, they had a couple of towels for me, but I couldn't put the towel on because then he looked soft. You know what I mean? You can't look soft walking <laughs> through other people. So I put shorts on. The thing was, I don't normally wear cowboy boots, but in that water, couldn't get the boots off of the feet. Took me 15 minutes to get the anchors off of my feet. <laughs> it was a bad scene over there, man. I almost broke an ankle. Did you almost sink then? Were you? Yo. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they told me it was eight feet. First of all, I was told by the captain of the pontoon that it was eight feet. Okay? So when I jump in, you see me start doing this because I knew that my boots were going to start being anchored. So I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then my feet hit the ground, and I'm like, wait a minute. And I stand up, and it's like right here. I'm like, oh, this was not eight feet. I mean, this was very wow. low. Yeah, I, I could have died there. It would have been a legendary. Yeah, you can't trust that. You can't trust that captain no more. He, he should be fired. <laughs> they call it sailgating down there, which is a pretty cool thing. They have all their pontoon boats out in the river, and they just get after it on the uh, Brazos River. I think it's a pretty good Good idea. I assume there's going to be more belly flops in the future down there. That's what's up. Hey, Pat, I, I got to go. I got to go shoot my vibing with the Van Noys on YouTube right now. So I, I got I got to go. I, I, I have much love. Hey, great plug right there. What is vibing with the Van Noys? It's my YouTube channel. So what I do is I bring teammates. I'm a big food person. We go to uh, mom, pa shops in Boston, and we basically shout them out. Because I feel like chefs and owners are just like football players. People can talk trash about us. We never can say anything back. They're the same way. People can mm. give them stars, say their food sucks, and they never get to say anything. So I give them a platform to be able to speak. So. All right. Well, check out Vibing with the Van Noys. Can't yeah. wait to watch you this weekend. Watch out, Guy Fury. I'm coming, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you, ladies and gentlemen. Two-time right, Super Bowl champ, Kyle Van Noys. Vibing with the Van Noys. If you've been thinking about your home security, there's no better time to get it than right now. Because right now, Simply Safe Home Security is giving listeners of this show the most amazing, exclusive Black Friday offer this week. Simply Safe is offering listeners of this show a huge, exclusive deal for Black Friday 25% off any new system plus a free HD security camera. Simply Safe has everything you need to keep your home safe. Entry sensors, motion sensors, a smart lock that locks your door when you forget, video doorbells, you name it, plus 24-7 professional monitoring that will dispatch police 3.5 times faster. This is my favorite home security system, and it'll be yours as well. It's so simple to use. They give you these cameras, you set them up, they all attach to an app, you tap your app, it turns on whenever there's any motion or anything detected. It's really made home security easy. It's made home security affordable. And it's made home security a much more interactive process because you're going to want to check in on your house because of how easy the app is to use. So don't wait. Go to simplysafecom slash McAfee to get 25% off your system plus a free security camera. This is the best home security deal you'll ever see. Don't miss this amazing Black Friday deal that's 25% off at simplysafecom slash McAfee. simplysafecom slash McAfee. Back to the show being joined by an absolute legend a super bowl champion a man whose brain is just as big as his heart he runs the all pro dad organization which helps men become true leaders of their family he was in indianapolis for a long time tampa bay for a long time he was a stealer now you can see him on football night in america on nbc he was also a part of the Blue Ribbon Panel, which selected the NFL all-time team, which continues this evening or Friday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network with Rich Eisen, Chris Collinsworth, and Bill Belichick. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Dungy. What do you say, Pat? Coach, how's it going? How's life? How is everything in the Coach Dungy world? Well, I'm doing well. We just landed in Atlanta. We're actually broadcasting the game Thursday night. 
um, Thanksgiving game, Falcons and Saints. So fire it up and having fun. Well, I think you do a great job on television because not only do you have an incredible resume, but your ability to break down nuances of things is a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of breaking things down, that blue ribbon team that or panel that had to decide the NFL all-time team, how was that whole process? Who else was in there? And I'm sure you enjoyed the hell out of that. Am I right? It was a lot of fun. It was challenging, though, because you're trying to compare people from different eras where statistics aren't the same, don't mean as much. Um you know, you've got to figure out who was dominant in their era and compare them to who was dominant today. Uh, it was great to be on with some wonderful people. Bill Polin, obviously, you know well. Bill Belichick was amazing during the whole process, uh, a great historian. I think you're seeing some of his personality come out on these shows. A lot of the writers have been covering the league for years. But it was, it was difficult trying to go across generations and compare people. That's always the conversation between Jordan and LeBron and players from the past and players of now is like, well, if Jordan had the same training and technique practice that the guys have now, well, how much better would he be? And for the guys of today going back to then, well, if a guy was six foot eight, 350 pounds, let's assume he would have been a dominant offensive tackle back then, too. It is very difficult to do that. Yeah, and you look at uh, like Don Hudson, who, um, you know, caught a thousand yards worth of passes when the rest of the receiving core in the league was averaging 250 yards or 300. How do you compare that to what Jerry Rice did in his era? And that those are the conversations we had. It was pretty incredible. Well, I think you guys have done a great job thus far. I'm enjoying that show because in, in you don't get a chance to see Bill Belichick act in a way that he's acting in this. He's breaking things down from the history of the game. You know, you're talking about a guy who's had the most success in the history of coaching football. To listen to him be a host of a show has been fantastic. Let's pivot now. At what point do you put Lamar Jackson on the NFL's all-time team? Is that now or is that next week? We had I had Robert Griffin III doing the same thing. If you remember, he came in, took the league by storm, was making these 70-yard runs, and just saying, how do you defend that? And Lamar is playing outstanding. He's playing fantastic. But uh, let us let him stay healthy, number one. And then number two, let these pro coaches – here's what I think is going to happen. You know, Pat, how normally in the spring college coaches come – to visit uh, your OTAs and get ideas on how, how to do things and plays, you're going to see all these defensive coaches go visit Alabama and visit Auburn and visit uh, Clemson. And how do you guys defend these read options? How do you defend the RPOs? You're going to see a different set of defenses next year. Uh, because the Ravens have taken everyone by surprise with this offense. That is what happened to RG3 and what happened to the Wildcat. But I assume Michael Vick had a long run there of success. How do you stop something that is almost very difficult to prepare for? Because it feels like Lamar Jackson can go off script. And when somebody goes off script and can make a lot of plays, that's hard to prepare for, right? Because you're training and practicing for if this, then this. But with Lamar, it's a complete different animal. Am I wrong there? You are absolutely right. It's like playing against Barry Sanders. You do everything right. You have a guy in position to make the play. He can't make the play because he's not a good enough athlete. And then uh, Lamar goes 40 yards w- with something that you had technically played right. So that that's the problem with him. And the other thing I didn't think he would be able to do this quickly is throw the ball so well, so accurately, and with so much poise from the pocket. I expected to see these runs and, and him making plays, but now you leave people open because you're crowding the line of scrimmage. He's hitting them at about 90%. That's incredible. It is something to marvel at every time he steps on the field. He's made the game very exciting to watch, and on the flip side of last night's game, this L.A. Rams team looks completely dead, Tony. I, I mean, Coach, they look bad. What is the big difference from last year whenever they were in the Super Bowl? Now, granted, they didn't perform great, and they might have got away with one of pass interference there in New Orleans, but last year, they took the world by storm. This year, it seems like they're just a one big dud, Coach. What can happen in 365 days to have that big of a change in a team? They have lost their mojo on offense, and I really think it starts with Todd Gurley. That was the, the hammer that they had. You had to kind of defend him like you defend Lamar. We've got to commit everything we've got to stop the run, and that opened up some easy throwing lanes. Well, now they're not getting that, and Jared Goff has to, to create those passing plays, and it just hasn't happened so far. So I, I think they've got to get their offense going again, and get, specifically that run game. 
I think they're done for. I, I don't like the. <laughs> I don't like the. I, I, hey, I heard your comment about the the 49ers. Don't sleep on the Niners. Now this, I don't think this game is going to be a 21 point game next week. I'm looking forward to seeing it because there, there are some athletes on that 49ers defense. You love that. You love defense. You love good defense. I think the 49ers team. I didn't give them enough respect or credit early because they hadn't played anybody. Then they should have beat the Seahawks if you make another kick, and they've had a couple big wins. But this Ravens team, I think the Niners defense really feasts on teams that don't have good offensive lines. This Baltimore Ravens offensive line seems to be legit. You see things differently? No, they are. They, uh, this is going to be a great matchup because you've got a tremendous offensive line going against all those number one draft choice defensive linemen. I think people, if you love football, you're going to love to see this. Now, the thing I, I think, believe it or not, gives San Francisco a, a chance. This Monday night on the West Coast, coming back, losing a mm. day, um, they're going to have to get that energy back. They're a young team, and I think they will, but the, the 49ers have a day advantage on them that is a big that's big travel too i mean they have it at home though i believe which is good yeah. for them and it's tough to they play get back until early this morning and now you've got to kind of rest up and try to get going so and then san francisco gives you a lot of problems to prepare for their offense would kittle back they're able to run the ball now it, it's going to be it's going to be a great game i think i think so too i'm excited for it those are my top two teams right now my number three team and i think i only have them there because of how dominant their defense has been and their special teams but their offense hasn't been able to click just yet i assume they'll be able to figure out by the playoffs rex ryan said i would love to coach against this new england patriots team now granted i don't think he's paying enough uh credit to the defense or to their special teams but what do you think's going on in new England on that offensive side of the ball is it a lack of a weapon and do you think they'll get it figured out by the time whenever it all really starts to matter no I think this is what they're going to be they lost their center uh they struggle their left tackle's been in and out they don't have big play receivers uh this is the team and they won a Super Bowl back in 2000 Three. I want to say 2001 or 2003 just like this with a running game and great defense opportunistic special teams they know how to play that way. And, you know, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl in Denver that way with great defense, good running game, and timely passes. I think that's what you're going to see home field. If they can keep home field advantage. Now, if they lose another game and they have to go back to Baltimore, I don't think there's any way in the world they win in Baltimore. But if they get Baltimore up there in New England, they've got a chance. How big is home field advantage for the defensive side of the ball? Oh, it's huge. When the other team has to go on a silent snap count, that, that creates a lot of advantage for your defensive line. Weather conditions for New England, they know how to play in that sloppy, windy weather. And just being at home, resting up, having your fans there, the energy you get from them. Um, you know, our Super Bowl year, we got down 21-3. Uh, if, if you're on the road, that's hard to come back from. But when you have your crowd behind you and the energy, uh, it, it makes a big difference. Okay, so big news this weekend for your uh, your school, University of Minnesota. College game day will be traveling to Minnesota, Coach. What are they in store for, and how excited are you that the Gophers are all the way back, Sky Ma? Well, first time ever for college game day to be there. I think that's awesome. I've been following the team. The energy in the city and on campus has been up all year. The Penn State game was, was phenomenal, and – for those that don't know, this uh, Minnesota-Wisconsin game played for Paul Bunyan's axe. It's huge every year, no matter what the records are. But now with the chance uh, to make some big noise, it's going to be a great Saturday. What do you see from Coach P.J. Fleck? He is an interesting guy, man. I, I've gotten a chance to chat with him. He makes me want to run through a wall. Have you gotten a chance to meet him and chat with him at all? You would, uh, yeah, you would love to play for him, and you'd be his type of guy. That's, that's what he's looking for. He's done, <laughs> he's done a great job. Somebody who would dive into a river for him. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's done a great job uh, getting the excitement level up, recruiting well, and not only that, but coaching well. They they are a well-coached team. So I'm really in Coach Flex's corner, and, and he's done a fantastic job. All right, Coach, before we let you go, I assume you're a very busy man. What was it like to coach Peyton Manning? Was that a pain in the ass, or was it awesome? It was awesome, but you had to be prepared because every day he was going to come in with questions. Can we do this? Why don't we do that? I'd like to do things this way. And, and you better have answers, and they better be good answers. But once you did answer him, then he was going to be 100 miles an hour for you. 
He was going to be the leader, the guy who pushed everybody else. And he was a joy to coach. Uh, he was tremendous. And uh, just I, I have so much love and respect for him. Unbelievable. Well, Coach, I think he would say the same exact thing about you. I didn't get a chance to play for you, but your words and your wisdom resonated through the building past your time there. I enjoy watching you and Rodney and uh, Tariko Sims and Florio every Sunday night. I think you do a great job. And that NFL all-time team at 8 o'clock Eastern on NFL Network that you helped select has been a blast to watch as well. Coach, I can't thank you enough, boss. Hey, thanks, Pat. Great to be on with you. Hey, we'd love to chat with you again, by the way. Did, Let's do it. Did you do the kickers and punters of the all-time team as well? That was, you know, hard to really get a grasp on because you had some kickers who, uh, like Jan Stenerud, who are kicking at 60% when everybody else is kicking at 40%. What does that mean? Um, you know, and how good was he when no one practiced special teams? Uh, so those are mm. the kind of things that Coach Belichick brought up that you had to take into consideration. I love that. <laughs> oh, he wasn't even trying that. <laughs> uh, Coach Dungey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Hall of Famer, thank you. Really excited to tell you about our new sponsor here. I just learned about it here within the last day, and I cannot wait to utilize it. We all have shit in our house that we need to get rid of. I think it's time that we sell it. I think it's time that you make money off of the things that you have laying around your house that you can put on an app, put a description in, put it up for sale, ship it out, whammy, you get paid, and clear some space. There's an app called Mercari, M-E-R-C-A-R-I, and their message is this, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, all made up days to get you to buy stuff. But have you heard of the Sell Your Shit Sunday? It's a day to sell your stuff that you don't use anymore. Created by our friends at Mercari. Mercari is the selling app that makes it fast and easy to sell almost anything. You just take a few pictures, add a description, and boom, your item is listed. You're the hero in this whole thing. You're helping somebody else out. Somebody's looking for what you have laying around in your house right now. You just have to take a couple pictures, post them on the app, and bang, you get a chance to ship that to somebody, make their day, make some money. It's a win-win, all thanks to our friends at Mercari. Download the Mercari app and sell your shit today. The day may be made up, but the money is real. That's Mercari, M-E-R-C-A-R-I. Download the app, sell your shit, get paid, make somebody else's life. Be a hero today. Take care of yourself. Sell some shit on Sell Your Shit Sunday with our friends at Mercari. M-E-R-C-A-R-I. Go ahead and said sell some stuff and make some money off it. Did you ever play on Thanksgiving? I did. Oh. How was that? Any different? It's a short week playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Playing against the hometown team. Biggest turkey bowl in the history of turkey bowls. Primetime television in Indianapolis, Indiana. That morning we have a walkthrough with our special teams coach. Had a couple practices the day before. You know, it's a short week. You don't get to work on much. On a piece of paper that was ratted and tatted and torn apart, he starts drawing X's and O's about a fake that he wants to run tonight because he saw something on film. Tom McMahon says, Eric Swope, you're here. You're going to run a drag route across. You're going to release. Clayton Gathers, you're the PP. You're going to run a wheel route on the backside. Pat, you either throw it to Swope if he's open, or if not, you close your eyes and throw it as far as you can back here for the wheel route of Clayton Gathers rolling out of the backfield. I was like, sounds good. Never in a million years would have thought that a fake that was drawn up day of the game would get called because fakes don't ever get called anyways. I get into warm-ups. I start slinging the rock around in warm-ups like I do every single week. I used to play catch with a lot of people. like to showcase the arm a little bit just so the other team has to fear it a little mm -hmm. bit so they don't bring as much pressure on the punt. Chuck Pagano comes up to me while he sees me slinging. He goes, throwing pretty good today? I was like, oh, yeah. Every day, Chuck. And he goes, okay, good. I like what Tom just showed me. And I was like, oh, my. Are we going to run this thing? Then we get out there. The first one, we're backed up. Got to punt it. Antonio Brown's returning. Damn it. Fair catch. Next one, we go out there. Fourth and six in the pooch territory. And as I'm jogging on the field, I see Tom McMahon's eyes are huge. And he's like, run it. <laughs> I'm like, we're down 14 zip already. I assume that the Steelers think this is going to happen. Fourth and six in the pooch territory. Up 14. I'm like, let's do it. I get the snap. 
I roll to the right. Eric Swope used to play basketball at the University of Miami. Releases. I roll to the right. They drop into a punt safe mode where I have to read the safety who's coming crashing down. Deliver a dime to Eric Swope who gets extra yards and gets tackled ultimately by Antonio Brown. That's a shame. Thought we were going to score a touchdown there. Doesn't matter because we did a couple plays later. Then... On Monday, after that whole thing happened, I hit the billionaire strut, obviously. Mike Tomlin hits one back to me for the next kickoff. Darius Hayward Bay, who's on the other team, is giving me a round of applause. I'm like, thank you, boys. Thank you, boys. They go on to win by 30. Those are the only points we score. On Monday, I get called into Grigson's office and fined. <laughs> <laughs> we are now being joined by a man who's a Super Bowl champion, a two-time pro bowler. Spent 11 years in the NFL, mostly with the Saints. Went to University of Alabama. Rotad, ladies up. and gentlemen, from Paris with love, <laughs> Roman Hart. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, bonjour, ça va? You over there in Wee Wee land, yeah? Wee Wee, Wee Wee, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, stopping by the Louvre, taking some pictures with that thing you're not allowed to take pictures with? Yeah, I actually did take – well, you have to have the flash off. That's the big thing. You somehow another flash messes up the painting. I don't really get that, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. I also noticed something. My neighbor in North Carolina, actually, they're in Paris as well, and she pointed something out to me that I have no idea. French men have very narrow shoulders, so now I can't stop looking at everybody and looking at how narrow everybody's shoulders are around here. It's so true. You got some, you got some thin dudes ready to quit in war at any given moment. <laughs> All right, I let's try to bring up war because I know they are like defeated. At war. <laughs> uh, shout out to the French; they've brought us a lot of great things, but also have a lot of terrible things in their past of being cowards. Now, <laughs> let's move forward. The New Orleans Saints, right now, a team near and dear to your heart, you want a Super Bowl with. They are getting hot, and Michael Thomas. A lot of people are saying best player in football right now. Do you feel the same way? Uh, it's really hard to argue against it because everybody knows he's going to get the ball and he still finds a way to get 10 catches every game. Like somehow or another, he's still getting 10 to 12, 13 catches, 140, 100 and some yards every game, week in, week out. And he's facing the best defensive guys that they have. They're double teaming. They're doing whatever it is. And Sean Payton, Drew Brees and those guys are finding different ways to get creative, to get Michael Thomas the ball. And this guy is a beast on the field. He plays hard. Uh, he, he is attacking the ball all the time. And not only that, but his run after the catch is something sneaky that we don't give him enough credit for because he just doesn't just go down. He, uh, he plays with attitude all the time. As a safety, what do you, now, when, when people talk about dub, double coverage and you're kind of watching it and everybody's like, well, it doesn't look like there's two people on him. It's always like a shade over the top, right? It, it, can you explain right. what a double team in the NFL looks like? So double team in the NFL, look, we're going to have a corner play inside and underneath. And then the safety is going to be over the top for anything going deep or over his, over the corner's head. So that's how you kind of take it away. Or you can do a slice technique, which would be the, the nickel or the corner being shaded outside. So he's outside and high over the top. And then I got an inside sa uh, safety coming down late to take away the inside and underneath routes. So that could be another double team. Or I know one time we got creative in the red zone against Calvin Johnson. We just said, bump it. We're just going double jam or vice him. We just put two people <laughs> right in front of him at the line of scrimmage. And then – it, it, that right there is the ultimate double team coverage. When you just line up two guys just like jammers and say, hey, we're going to get this guy. And now the quarterback doesn't even look his way. Okay. So whenever you have four eyes on a guy like Michael Thomas at all times, it sounds like, how is he still getting 130? Is that good offensive draw by Sean Payton or is that strictly Michael Thomas and Drew Brees being on the same page? Uh, it's got to be both of those things. First of all, you know, when you've got guys doubling, that means they're trying to take him away. But I think I think the Saints do a great job of putting uh, Michael Thomas in the slot position where it's harder to double guys. Or well, if you do double, you have to show it right away. So now that allows you to show your hand uh, as a defense hmm. and offensively, that kind of gives you an advantage for Drew because that's what they like to do. They like to run a lot of empty sets to so put Alvin Kamara on the same side with Michael Thomas and really kind of make defenses kind of show their hand because that's what teams are trying to take away when you're playing the New Orleans Saints with those two guys. So when you start doing that, that allows for people like Jared Cook to all of a sudden now he's coming alive and other things like that. And then now if you're not doubling these guys, now I know exactly where I want to go to the ball. And one-on-one, -on -one, nobody's covering Michael Thomas right now. So Drew's very confident with throwing the ball to him. I think I mean, that he never drops the ball and Drew's not 
inaccurate throwing it to him. His catch percentage is unreal when actually targeted. Okay, so by the way, thanks for breaking it down. I feel like a much smarter person. Um, tomorrow night, just a little defensive perspective. You know what I mean? It's just a little bit. Well, if you can give us some some perspective on the rivalry that's the Saints Falcons that goes on tomorrow night, the Falcons just a couple weeks ago, I mean, came in to a buzzsaw in the Superdome against a hot Drew Brees, a hot Michael Thomas, and made them look bad. Is that just a rivalry game, a off game? What are, what should people expect tomorrow night, Saints Falcons? I think the Saints really need this as a bounce back. Not only that, but the 49ers are not losing right now. So in, in the Saints' mind, they're trying to get to the one seed. They're trying to get home field advantage. This game is bigger than just the normal Atlanta versus Saints rivalry game, which it will be ratcheted up a little bit because of that. But playoff implications are really big for the Saints. And now the Atlanta Falcons are playing spoilers. I thought they were going to continue on this trend of playing well, but then they get smacked by Tampa Bay all of a sudden. So who is Atlanta? Are they the real team that, that showed up the last two weeks versus Carolina and the Saints or what they saw just this past Sunday? So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think the Saints go out there and get this game because I thought the first game they were sleepwalking and just going through, oh, we'll, we'll get it right by the third quarter. We'll get it right by this. And then they never got it right. And you look up, Atlanta wins that game, and they got some confidence built and things like that. But now, two weeks later, they're kind of right back in the same lull of where they were. I think that's what people forget about NFL players because they're in video games and they're all these things. Is They're humans. So that mindset of, oh, we'll get yeah. it right in the third, that can really happen, especially if you're playing against a team that's probably going to get blown up at the end of the season. Right. And not only that, but Atlanta was supposed to be good this year. I thought they were going to be a team that was in contention, all, yeah. especially in the NFC South. And now you look up, they hadn't won a game all year long, and you're facing them, and you're like, yeah, we'll just go ahead and dust them up real quick. Coming off of a bye week, they were rested. Like, all the things say that you were going to win this game easily. And all of a sudden, you get blown up and you get beat up. And they, you know, they sat Drew four, five, six times more than what they had had, like, all year long. It was a crazy game. And, uh, and so now you look at it, I think the Saints are going to be more prepared. They understand exactly what they're going to be getting into. I think Marshawn Lattimore needs to play. Uh, if he does not play, I think Julio Jones and Calvin really have a big day. So I, I think Marshawn Lattimore will play a big role in this if he's healthy enough to go. Yeah, he's a heck of a DB back there. You said that the Niners aren't going to lose. I actually disagree. I think whenever they take on the Ravens, I think they are going to lose strictly because of this. Now listen to me here. You're a big defensive guy. You've obviously watched the Niners defense be very dominant. It seems like to me with the Cardinals and a couple other Seahawks, if it's a good offensive line with a mobile quarterback, that defense can struggle. By the way, every defense can struggle with that. But that might be that defense's kryptonite. Do you think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have what it takes to go in and be Beat the well, they're at home, but beat the Niners in that defense. I, I do just feel because the Ravens are having so much fun. I, I, they make me want to go play football again, and I don't say that a lot. <laughs> they are having fun. They're winning and they're playing with swag. I mean, this guy Lamar Jackson is is amazing with what he's doing right now, and it's crazy because everybody that doubted him and said he couldn't do these things that he was doing in college, he's kind of doing them in the NFL and making everybody look bad. Yes. And it's funny because just because the defense are in, oh. You know, you're running the option and things like that. I ran some option in high school. So the defense end has you, has the quarterback. But when the quarterback is somebody, the best athlete on the field, it's a problem because the DN is not the best athlete. So you get him in space against a guy like Lamar Jackson, he doesn't even stand a chance. And then next thing you know, he's on to the second level, third level, and he's running by linebackers and safety. So it's just a really hard problem to deal with. Not only that, but it's like, it's like preparing against Navy, right? Like, it's, a, it's an offense that you don't see every week defensively. So you're not used to seeing these, like, you know, having three tight end sets or running game that's straight downhill. You're so much seeing – you see so much more of, like, spread out and offenses doing now more 11 personnel where Baltimore is going back to old school and things that you're not used to seeing or preparing for defensively makes it so hard to get, to get a, a good grasp of that in just one week. That's such an interesting thought because Bill Belichick was born and raised in the Navy football – Program. That, like that's his dad coached there for 40 years and even he had problems with Lamar Jackson. I'll be excited to see if anybody can stump him. You mentioned college. Let's talk about college. Do you still follow right. college football, roll tide and all that stuff? I mean, that's the only ball I really follow. I mean, the, the state, the NFL ain't, you know, NFL teams ain't paying my check, my house note no more. So I don't <laughs> care about that. Roll tide, baby. Roll tide. Okay. They're currently sitting outside at number five, looking in at the college football playoff, but a lot can happen in the SEC. How do you feel about Ohio State being ranked one over LSU, Clemson three, Georgia four right now with Bama sitting at five? 
I, I think Ohio State's been the best team in college football. I agree. And uh, just when you look at their body of work, look, this guy Justin Fields is is off the chain. He's got a big arm. He's a problem. I don't know. Look, Alabama, we don't want to face him for real. Our defense isn't good. So I'm a little nervous, and we don't have to. Uh, it's a lot of different shaky things. I'm kind of nervous. And as an Alabama fan, I don't know if I can deal with another loss. Like, the trollers are real out there. <laughs> and so I, I might just be happy with going to a bowl game and just winning my bowl game. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. We don't get enough credit for winning your last game of the year. Like, that's a big deal in college football. So I, I think LSU has beat the best amount of teams, like the best teams in the NCAA this year. But their defense is what's going to separate them versus Ohio State, who I think that guy Chase Young can go out there and win you a game himself. Uh, right now, Clemson's really playing well. I think they're they're on the way up right now. They're playing at a, they're trending in the right direction. And then you got Georgia at four, but I think LSU will beat Georgia, and then that probably will put us back in. And uh, Oregon losing the other week really helped too, because now they got out the way too. Which you know that's another thing. I don't think people understand like winning in college is so hard to do week in and week out because you're dealing with 18, 19 year old kids. Mm -hmm. Somebody might have broken up with their girlfriend. Somebody might be emotional about this. Like things happen when you're 18, 19 years old. Yeah, and you got school as well. I mean, not, I mean, there's a lot of things that play into it. I mean, the, the girlfriend though is. I went to Alabama. I didn't think about school. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I talked to Cardale Jones last week, and he had that tweet where he was like, "We're getting paid to play football, not to go to school or whatever." And he is actually like a scholar. That guy out of nowhere. Um, what is, now? What happens if Utah? goes undefeated in the Pac-12, okay? They go undefeated, and they don't make it into the top four. What does that say about the college football playoff selection process and everything like that? Because Pac-12, by all accounts, is one of the biggest conferences in all of football. This team could run the table, win it, and still be outside looking in on a couple one-loss teams that have made it in. What do you think that is? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is you have to you have to win to get in. Like, you can't lose games in the Pac-12. Like, you just can't do it. And Utah lost one early that's going to – seems like it's going to come back to haunt them. Oh, that's unreal. And I know they're running the table in the Pac-12, but uh, the, the loss early hurt them. The same way it, it kind of – you know, it, it really – so Alabama, you look at it, because everybody wants to talk about Alabama's strength of schedule. It is weak. But it's also because everybody in the SEC West has gotten terrible, all right? And the one time, you know, you got Tennessee on the, on the east, they've, get, they've all of a sudden been terrible. So you really can't control who you're playing. And then outside of the – the other teams that, you know, you can't – and not everybody wants to schedule uh, Alabama. You can't, It's hard to schedule games, you know, out of conference games against Alabama as well because people just don't line up to play them. Um, so you do – so you look at the count of, like, the loss was to who. And right now Alabama has the best loss of all the one-loss teams when they're coming from LSU. So that's why I think they get the nod. But I do understand the argument because you want champions into the, the whole system. And it's just, it's just bad because the Pac-12 football – as a conference has gone down the last few years and has not got the credit that maybe they should deserve or maybe they need to continue to play up. Like, would the same issue be happening if we had USC in the same conversation? No. You, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. So I think the Los Angeles, that's matters. why. That's because it's Los Angeles. I think everybody knows yeah. that. You know what I mean? I think that's, that <laughs> yeah. is exactly what it is. It's tradition and everything like that. Now, the interesting thing to me will be if Minnesota goes on to win the Big Ten Championship – and beats Ohio State. Ohio State has one loss in the, it's in the championship. Does Ohio State drop out of the top four all of a sudden? Does Minnesota jump in? Georgia lost to South Carolina, almost lost Kentucky. They're in. I mean, what is the there's gonna there's so much subjective conversation that has to happen. I think that's why they keep everybody but the Oregon AD anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a jury for a murder trial. No well, it's bad. Well, I think that the best thing that happened to the Oregon AD was Oregon losing. So now he's not gonna like get in killed for like yeah. not putting his own team in mm -hmm. or not standing up to make sure his own team gets in if they win the Pac-12. Now, I look, you're right. That would be a cluster, you know what, if Ohio State Good loses cuz these teams they need to to get in. Like these teams need to win. Clemson's another team if they slip up somewhere how could you not want to put Clemson in if they've been this good all year long? And now you got all this jumbled up group of these one-loss teams. I, how do you pick one in? Not only that, but Alabama without Tua Tagovailoa, and they say they would include injuries when it comes to all these things. So, how does it? How do you not? So, trust me, if I'm a playoff committee, I want these teams to stay undefeated, so mm -hmm. I can just slowly select my team and keep getting them in, and don't let these other teams get in. Like it's just, hey, look, if you don't have an invite to the party, you can't complain about 
how the party wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying, like, if, if Georgia does beat LSU and then Minnesota does beat Ohio State, who, who knows what's going like, to It's a complete... It's a complete nonsense. It has to go to eight teams, five champions, three at large. Keep it moving. That's just the way it goes. Speaking of keep it moving, hey, good luck on the rest of your vacation over there. Check out those thin shoulders. Make sure you feel like a real alpha over there. Uh, and we can't thank you enough. You're incredible, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanks, Roman man. Harper. Appreciate it. I'd love to come back home, guys. Again. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Pat. Roll Tide, baby. Hey, Roll Tide. Merci beaucoup. Bonjour. Ça va. Au revoir. Bonjour. Au revoir. <laughs> See you later, man. <laughs> The new college football playoff rankings. At the top of the rankings, there is a new team at the top of the mountain. The Ohio State Buckeyes are now officially the number one ranked college football team in the country. Number two is LSU. Number three is Clemson. Number four is Georgia. Number five, Bama. Number six, Utah. Number seven, Oklahoma. Number eight, Minnesota. Nine, Baylor. Ten, Penn State. Now, let's go right back to the top of the Ohio State-LSU. I've been saying now for, what, a week and a half, mm-hmm. LSU gave up 614 yards to Ole Miss. It's a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you have a defense that has the ability to give up that amount of yards, you would think in a big-time game there's a chance that could happen again. Everybody's saying, well, their strength of schedule has already been immaculate and they haven't really got bitten in the butt by that thus far. They beat Alabama in Alabama. I understand all of that. I very much understand all that. But Justin Fields, a quarterback for Ohio State, let's assume that if the Ole Miss quarterback, who I should know his name, (laughs) can put up 614 (laughs) yards of offense against LSU, let's assume that Justin Fields, the most efficient guy in college football, will be able to do the same. Chase Young, the best defender in all of college football, is also on that team, and their punter and kicker are good. I like Ohio State at number one, even if their strength of schedule hasn't even touched what LSU has yet because LSU's in the SEC. They still have to play either Minnesota or Wisconsin. They still got a couple big games where they could find a hiccup or a loss. LSU could do the same damn thing, I guess. But for me, this looks like this is setting up how it should be, even though if you're a Clemson fan, you're sitting there like, hey, we are still the reigning champions. Mm-hmm. We have still yet to lose, and we are still getting hot and hotter and hotter. So as long as you're in there, it doesn't matter. But for me, I think they got it right with Ohio State at one. Yeah, Ohio State offensively and defensively, there's no there's no weakness to their team. And then if they beat Michigan and Wisconsin or Minnesota, mm. those are two great wins. There's no way they're leaving number one. No way. Well, they were number one at one point, and then they won by fifty, and then they dropped to number yeah. two, and it was like, "Well, what do you expect?" LSU is Georgia in the in the uh, championship, SEC championship, most likely, or yes, but I still don't think the win against Georgia versus wins against Michigan and Minnesota probably are going to put LSU above Ohio State. Well, the thing about it is, and Greeny said it this morning, that they don't want LSU and Alabama no. playing each other in the college football playoff. They would rather have that be the championship mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. opposed to the first-round game, which is interesting to me. Would you rather have two SEC teams in the championship, or would you rather have them play in the first round? I don't know how much that one makes sense to me. I would like to dig deeper into Greeny's brain there and why he would think they would think that. For me, I think, honestly, it's just strictly because of the 614 yards that LSU's defense gave up and how Ohio State doesn't seem to have fun. Now, granted, there was a little bit of a meltdown that happened there against Penn State for a couple drives that let Penn State back in the game, but Ryan Day, Ohio State, got it back on track. And the fact that they lose Urban Meyer and have gotten better is hilarious to me. And that Ryan Day guy, by the way, swag. I heard him talking to the the band and the Mm -hmm. fans like two and a half hours before the game, and he was like, hey, we're going to kick their ass. Like He is just like, he is a... Tell it how it is. I think his players will rally behind him. I assume Ohio State's got a guy for the next 10 years in Ryan Day. Good for him. Good for them. But for me, I think Ohio State's the most complete team, even though Joe Burrow and what LSU has done on the offensive side of the ball has been nothing short of impressive. Their defense can step up and make some plays. For me, Justin Fields is the Heisman winner. He's the most efficient quarterback I think football has maybe ever seen with his stats, with turnover ratio to touchdown uh, touchdowns produced. Joe Burrow, though, in that same locker room of Ohio State, leaves goes to LSU, resurgent down there with Coach O. I think they got it right, though. Uh, a lot of people on the show last night, the revealing show, uh, said that they think Utah is going to jump Alabama if they went out, and I just don't. I don't see that. I don't see how that happens. Well, for the, the sanctity of the leagues, Pac-12, if Utah goes undefeated 
in dominant fashion. Right. And college football playoff committee says, well, we picked the best four teams with teams that have losses, with teams that do all these other things. You kind of bury the Pac-12 if you do that. Now, granted, I've gotten a chance to talk to a couple of Pac-12 coaches how they feel like there is a bias against them anyways in this entire thing because they're on the left coast, because they play at night. But if you do that and Utah does go undefeated, and they do win out, and you don't let them in, you're basically telling the Pac-12, you guys are might as well be the American Conference, you might as well be MAC, mm-hmm. you have no chance of making it in. What's the purpose of them being in the Power Five? There is none. So I think that's why people are saying that potentially mm-hmm. on television to generate that conversation. But for me, I, I, I think this is the wrong system. It's better than the BCS system, which is when the NCAA sold their right to name a champion. They sold their right to the BCS to name a champion. That's just flat out what the NCAA did. You go to the NCAA Hall of Fame back whenever there was uh, uh, the BCS thing, they had the Division II champion in there because that was the only champion they were allowed to t- uh, mm-hmm. name because they sold their right to BCS. So whenever BCS was having, everybody knew it was crap. It was a, it was a crock of, crock of poop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this now is a little bit better, but I don't think we have gotten to perfection yet. I think you have to have an eight-team playoff. Mm-hmm. I, I just think you have to. All the champions, the Power Five, then three at larges. So then this Utah conversation isn't even Correct. one because you're going to have a lot of upset people in the Pac-12. And not only are the, the coaches and players upset, let's talk about the fans of the Pac-12. What do I even care about these teams for if they got no chance to win the championship anyways? What are they going to do, win the Rose Bowl? Awesome. The Rose Bowl <laughs> means nothing. Yes, there's a lot of history and tradition to it and it's cool to get the chance to play in the Rose Bowl. But if you're not in the playoff anymore, you might as well just call it a day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a shame, to be honest with you. You'll get it right, though. Oh, nice feel-good Friday here. Uh, after Thanksgiving, everybody's feeling a little fat. Got a chance to talk about a lot of stuff. Wrap things up here by telling you that you've heard me say it the last couple episodes, but I can't help but echo this sentiment. If you listen to jewelers from all around the country, what they say is, we hate this fucking guy, Steven Singer, because Steven Singer is a jeweler who's based out of Philadelphia, but he ships nationwide, and he has prices that are just better than everybody else. It's like when Walmart meets Tiffany's. You want a good diamond? Of course you do. He has it. You want it at a better price than everybody else? Of course you do. Steven Singer has it. And that's why everybody fucking hates the guy. You don't go into the diamond business and then just sell things at reasonable prices when everybody else isn't doing that. And that's why Steven Singer is the rebel of the jewelry business, the rebel of the diamond business. And the reason why I particularly don't love him is because I had to buy a very expensive diamond ring less than a year ago, and I had no idea this guy existed. Don't be like me. If you need to buy jewelry, you need to buy it at a proper price with people that have a 100-day warranty, basically. If you don't like your jewelry, send it back for a full refund. 100 days from this guy at Steven Singer. You can tell why every other jeweler fucking hates him. Right now, you go to IHateStevenSinger.com. That's I, as in the letter I, Hate, H-A-T-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-I-N-G-E-R.com and buy something that's better priced than the shit you're going to find in the stores and it's going to look better. And you get a 100-day money-back guarantee if you don't like it. I hate stevensinger.com. All right. I don't hate any of you guys. I actually love all you guys. I'm very thankful everybody listened. From myself, Evan Foxy, Zito, Ty Schmidt, Nick, Diggs, Todd, Billy, Jason McAfee, Gumpy, Block Dad, my mom, my lady, Foxy's family, Zito's family that we've never heard of and we don't know if they actually exist or not. He says they're good people. I assume they are. They raised this incredible species, but we have no idea what they did. Boston Connor, who's been back in the action. We're very thankful for all of you. Have the best weekend of your entire life. Ty Schmidt. Play some independent music, cuz. For those interested, this is Lately by Jake Hallendorf. I am, dude. I'm the happiest person. 
Been sitting here an hour, should I pour another drink? Should I drink, should I drink when I know the liquor only brings me temporary peace? Keep the peace, keep the peace in my mind when, when you're with me. But this whiskey knows the real me, damn. If Jack and Coke's the ocean, I no longer see the beach. In my mind, I'm hoping you'll forgive me for what I've broken. I put my hands together, asking for another chance. Cause lately I've been sailing away from you. What I mean, what I mean is, baby, I've been failing to see what's The one that's meant to be, meant to be, meant to be. 'Cause I'm tired of the standstill, and my sadness keeps my glass filled. Yeah, the water starts to rise, but I got land under my feet. And in my mind, I'm hoping you'll forgive me for what I've broken. I put my hands together, asking for another chance. 'Cause lately I've been sailing away from you. What I mean, what I mean is, baby, I've been failing to see what's true. Sailing away from you. What I mean, what I mean is, baby, I've been failing to see what's true. Oh yeah.